Hi, and welcome to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, where we take a deep dive look at all things reality TV, pop culture, and the world at large. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and energy percolating in other people in the world around me. I believe there is meaning waiting to be found at every turn, if you're willing to see it. So join me as we dismantle everything from trash TV to high spiritual concepts and learn more about ourselves, each other, and how we're all connected. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. I am excited and curious about today's episode. It's going to be a little bit different, so we'll see where it goes. I frequently get questions from you guys, my listeners. I often get them in my Instagram DMs, and I love I love it. I love hearing from you. I love all your engagement. And a lot of times what happens is because I tend to have what I would call smart, spiritual, sophisticated seekers for listeners is I get these very deep questions in my DMs. And as I'm sure you can all imagine, a DM isn't really a place where there's kind of time room, space, or opportunity to give maybe the most thoughtful or deep answers that certain questions would ask for. So I thought what we might do today is to take some of these questions I've gotten from you, the listeners, and answer them. And so some of these questions are housewives related in that they're in response to episodes that we did about the housewives, but they're also asking about the deeper issues, themes, and topics that have been broached in our conversation about the housewives. So I thought it would be cool just to give some space to the questions and for old friend of the pod... Piper Sample and I to kind of maybe have like a hybrid conversation where we're answering the questions, we're tackling the principles involved, but also using these Real Housewives, our spiritual teachers, as examples in the conversation. And so that way it can be a little bit of Housewives, it can be a little bit deeper. So having said all that, let's dive in. Welcome back, Piper. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Jamie. How are you? I'm good. You know, as usual, we've got our Friday day that we tend to record. So kind of always feeling that rhythm in the work week where it's kind of winding down. But for me, I also do tend to work Saturdays. So I'm still in the middle of my work week, but also feeling that kind of, I don't know, steady energy in the world of, oh, we're heading into the weekend. Things are winding down. It feels a little bit less crazy than it does on Monday. A little more spacious. Exactly. So are you feeling ready to dive into our questions from our listeners? I am. I am. I can't wait to to have you read them. So my first question is from B. And she writes, Hey, Jay, listening to the episode on Crystal. This was the episode, by the way, where Piper and I discussed Crystal's pattern of being shut down by the group and she's repeatedly trying to bring something out that's a little bit more vulnerable and just how the group doesn't seem to tolerate it and quite the opposite they really seem to have a vested interest in shutting it down so hey jay listening to the episode on crystal and i was feeling the same way i was hearing her share clearly what was going on and what she needed and then seeing the rest of the cast get very activated by that and even trying to dismiss her through her age The irony of them perceiving her as overly sensitive and quote-unquote manipulative. 
I'm still at the start, so I need to finish before I ask. But if someone has the experience of constantly being shut down without support from anyone, or maybe the people around them don't have the ability to meet them and understand them, what do you do? I feel like everywhere I go, I have Crystal's experience where things get turned around on me. I also feel like I have an overwhelming amount to share, but I feel incredibly criticized, shut down, and misunderstood without support. So it feels like a catch-22. So, I mean, I'm curious where this question takes you just in terms of immediate instinct and response. I'll just say for me up top, there's two places I'm drawn in response to this question. And one is, yeah, just a very straightforward inquiry about if and when we find ourselves in Crystal's situation, so when she's up there in La Quinta trying to say something and no one's listening, yeah, how do we handle that? How do you handle that? How do you best take care of yourself? And what I'm also aware of when I take in this question is that B, who's asking this, is saying she's having a repeated experience of feeling shut down, misunderstood, and criticized. And so when I hear that someone has a repeated experience of something my mind does start to get curious about unconscious ways that they might be setting themselves up for this situation or drawing the situation in or an unconscious investment in this kind of pattern, which, by the way, I also think relates to Crystal as well. And we talked a little bit about that in the original episode. Maybe we'll get back into it now. So to me, those feel like two halves of a same whole and they both feel here for me. But I'm curious, did you have an immediate response to this? Well, yeah, you know, when I hear a question come in, you know, for me, I usually want to know a little bit more. And that was my first impulse is like, I want to know what happens for her in these settings, because she's saying, what do I do there? So my question would be, well, what do you do there already? That maybe be in like what you're naming as a potential pattern or a potential setup for this to continually occur. So I would I would want a little more information specific to the questioner. But without that, you know, more information, the initial hit that I got has something to do with who the conversations are with, whether or not these relationships are, you know, with people that they want to get somewhere with, or these are just happening in random places where there's not an investment in the relational piece, but more around the internal response and reaction. So there's something about, you know, a quick and dirty impulsive answer would be like, how are you framing the conversations? You know, are are they set up to actually have a deeper conversation mm-hmm. where you're parsing out personal versus systemic and you know are are they casual conversation you know like what's actually happening in the conversation so I'll, I'll leave it there but those were the initial sort of questions thoughts impulses i had yeah and i think we can draw this back to crystal in an illustrative way but before i do just to name what i'm part of what i'm hearing you say i mean you bring in an interesting question about who are these people to you And when I hear you say that, it brings up a question in me that says, yeah, are these relationships that are even worth the trouble in a way of trying to be heard? And I think bringing in a bigger question and principle around discernment, 
you know, because especially in her question, she's saying, I've got a lot to share. And so my sense of the person asking the question is that this is actually a very probably sensitive person who's picking up on a lot. You know, I do also happen to know her. So I I know that she is a sensitive person. I know that she's sensitive to nuance. I know a lot comes through her. So right then and there, I hear this question about, yeah, it's like, who is your audience in a way? And does it matter enough to you to be heard? Because if it doesn't, or if there's not an investment in the relationship, you might be setting yourself up for unnecessary grief. It's like recognizing the limitations of who, the possible limitations of whoever is across from you. Yeah, like I can feel myself as the the potential audience here. You know, like, have I been consulted? Like, I can feel I don't want to hear whatever it is. That's clearly the pattern is I can't take in this information. I'm not sure if I want to or not. But who am I to you? Why would I want to hear everything that you have to say? Did we, you know, has it been set up that way? Are you just trying to teach me something like without my sort of buy in? That's the initial feeling here is like, yeah, maybe we can use Crystal as an example, because I can feel myself as a housewife, you know, like, yeah, I don't want to I'm not interested in this conversation where you're trying to take it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, and just even thinking about Crystal, like if we bring this back to Crystal and her trying to bring something out, what I think is interesting about Crystal and I, you know, anyone who listens to this podcast knows I feel very supportive of what Crystal was trying to bring out. And I felt very sympathetic for her in her position as the woman who was getting shut down. But what I do see in her, I mean, there's a couple things that I see in her, but if we stay with this particular thread and we stay with the season and we stay with what happened at Kyle's desert house in La Quinta, it's almost like Crystal Crystal started to bring something in that wasn't even fully formed yet. You know, she was having a response in the moment. So there was a conversation I think happening between, it was definitely, it was like between Sutton and the rest of the group having to do with her response to Dorit's break-in. And it was triggering something in Crystal. And I think it was clear Crystal herself wasn't even totally clear yet on what it was it was bringing up. I mean, I think there was some awareness. She knew what it had to do with, but it didn't feel like Crystal. It was like a fully formed knowing or thought inside Crystal. And so then what Crystal does is she starts to bring something out in this group that, you know, she knows at this point, I mean, this is the whole issue of what she's bringing in. She has unresolved feelings about being, having been shut down and not heard in the past. So she knows from experience, this is a group with a limited capacity to hold space for thoughts, feelings, ideas that aren't fully formed. And yet she's bringing this out anyway. And so in terms of how Crystal maybe unconsciously set herself up here, you know, if I were having a conversation with Crystal, especially in in the context of the housewives and this cast she's in, I might want to have a conversation with her about like, what would it mean for you to maybe register something's coming up, register something's happening Keep that for yourself until you have time and space to go to your own corner with your trusted healers, therapists, loved ones, your journal, however you get clear 
and get absolutely clear on what is happening for you, what needs to be claimed, what's the boundary here, like whatever it is. And then once you have that knowing for yourself, bringing it to the group. And I think also to go back to what you were saying, maybe really doing yourself a service by setting up a framework that's like, hey, I mean, whatever that means to you or whatever that means to Crystal, there's a conversation I'm going to want to have. There's some things I want to revisit. Because again, if we go back to that situation, she brought something into the middle of a situation that was already kind of heated or charged. There was already stuff in the air that they were trying to sort out. And it was already confused and confusing because this group is just confused and confusing. But they were in the middle of something already. And then Crystal kind of dropped this into the the mix herself not even fully clear on what's going on yet so yeah these are kind of the things that i'm hearing as we're exploring this yeah and i think and i'm i may be completely wrong about the actual events and what was happening but what what's here for me right now is this what crystal does know and what i felt like she named quite clearly as far as i could hear which was you group don't have room for experiences that you don't relate to or that are not something that you're experiencing and when somebody is trying to say that they're having an experience that is different than yours you shut it down and you say that's not what's happening that's what i heard crystal trying to say and trying to link what was happening for you know with Sutton right there it was like it, it opened up this clear, what I felt was clear in Crystal, which was, yes, I've had this experience with you. I try to say what my experience is, and you tell me that is not what my experience is because it's not yours. Yeah, and this is where I think it gets a little tricky, but I love that we're having this conversation because this is the refinement I think the listener is asking about. So, Because I agree with you that Crystal was saying something clearly, but I also think she did bring it in in a way that got a little bit murky for me in the same way that what she was trying to speak to last year in terms of feeling triggered in a violated place was murky, where last year, when I th- where were they? I think it was Tahoe. They went to Tahoe. And Sutton came in with her coat, caught her naked. She felt violated. And I think where I saw Crystal, quote unquote, go wrong or perhaps make things harder on herself is that I do think she got confused about the difference between Sutton's impact on her and Sutton's actual intention, because I think she was triggered by Sutton. And I think there was a place in her initially that said, Sutton did do something that was violating. Sutton is creepy. It was weird. I feel violated because of Sutton. I feel like that's what she initially brought in. And it was only when the groups did start to challenge her that she started to redirect it and realize, okay, wait a second. Actually, maybe it's not so much that Sutton actively violated me, but something Sutton did indirectly it triggered something it brought me to a place in my own history that created a sense of violation and now i'm what i'm what i'm really trying to do is i'm trying to get space held for this but because it got a little bit murky in part 
in part because it got a little bit murky, the women are having this sort of defensive reaction to defend Sutton from unfair claims of like, you're a creepy, whatever. What was the word they used? Um, Kathy Hilton came up with it. Peep eyes. I don't know. There was some sort of like, you're a creepy, like peeping Tom. And this played out again in the present moment this season because when Crystal first brought this in, she did say something along the lines of, I was trying to say something about Sutton last year and you guys didn't want to hear it, but now you guys have an issue with Sutton. There was a way in which she was framing it in terms of Sutton doing something wrong. And again, I think initially, unless I'm mistaken, it was hitting her in this place of, wait a second, I thought there was something wrong with Sutton last season and no one was willing to hear me. But now you're saying there's not something wrong with Sutton. It's like she, these wires get a little bit crossed, I feel like in the place where she got triggered by Sutton (laughs) and in the place where there's still some part of her that maybe wants to say, no, Sutton, you did something wrong. And so I guess if I were just to take a step back from this bigger picture and again, kind of relate this back to what's being asked, I feel like the work for Crystal in this case, and I think the work for all of us when we're triggered is, have you gotten clear? Like if you're charged and triggered, Right. And there's something that wants to come through you with like a great charge of emotion. Have you gotten clear yet for yourself? What of this is my history? What of this is taking me somewhere that has nothing to do with the present moment? And then what of this is about the present moment? Like, what's the boundary? Because I feel like if sudden, I'm sorry, if Crystal had gotten clear within herself like oh something about what Sutton did made me feel violated and if I go inward now and really get to the source of my history with violation and where does this come from and what is it in me that has a relationship to feeling violated to me once she sorted all that out the request from the other women may have been really simple it may have just been something as simple as hey guys I'm getting clear I've really got I really, privacy is important to me. And please, if if I don't say come in, please don't enter my room, you know, without, an, you know what I mean? It could be something as simple as that. Or it could be, guys, I realize, you know, Sutton, you didn't mean anything, but I, I'm just having such a response. Can you be here with me? You know, this is taking me somewhere. So going back to the question, I feel like, again, with discernment, there's something here around if you are a sensitive, complex person who's having a lot of feelings, have you taken that time to sort through what of this is the present moment and where is this taking me in my history so that I can come to this conversation in a clean, clear way that's not charged and not asking these other people to hold something that's historical of mine that's maybe not theirs to hold? Yeah, I think that's very clean and you know, a good answer for the the questioner, you know, like that's a good place to actually start and do some work internally. And, you know, to say that also, even if you've done all that work and the people around you aren't able to take you in and are defending, that becomes another thing to process. That, that becomes another thing to hold for yourself. Here are people that can't hear me. They don't have space for my experience. And rather than having a demand that they do, and this is where the question of who are these people to you? Do you want a lasting relationship with them? Or you can you just set that down? I know not to bring this into connection with these particular people because, you know, this is a, a light social setting or 
I don't know. This is actually a, uh, you know, my a, a work situation, my partner's family that I'm going to be. Yeah. Like these are people I'm going to have to be working with. And I think that this is important enough to have a deeper in order to continue a deeper deepening, changing, evolving relationship with someone. They need to know this and be open to hearing my experience, even if that's not their intent, that they had an impact, you know, and and ultimately that is what I feel is the crux of what happened that ends up being confusing for her because there is, it's true what you're saying, she's not completely clear, but I think what muddles it even further is then the response Mm -hmm. starts dismantling, like she can't hold on to even wait, no, that was my experience. All right. She doubles down on something there because now she's also having to fight the reaction, which, you know, we've kind of, I don't know if we talked about, you know, that gas gaslighting term. It's like when people then start telling you you're too sensitive or all the things that you are when you're trying to bring something as opposed to wait, what you felt violated oh my gosh i that was not my intention i'm so sorry that ha- like first to acknowledge fuck i whatever happened right there felt like a violation for my friend i'm so sorry what would help in the future i don't ever want that to happen again i respect you i i i you know respect your privacy and i can see now why that felt that way to you, even though that wasn't my intention. Yeah. Okay, great. So what's coming up for me, and I think you brought in a really interesting question that I was also holding in all this. It's like, so let's just say, for example, that Crystal had gone and done her inner work, or let's just say she wasn't in any way confused and just said something really simple and clear like you did at the top of this, which is just like, hey, guys, I notice you don't really have tolerance for people bringing in an experience that's different than yours and you shut it down. And I was going to say, so if in that place she's still getting shut down, and I think this is essentially what the question is asking, what do you do? And there were a couple things that I heard as you were speaking. I mean, one thing that came up for me is if I'm in that position and I really understand, okay, I'm not being heard and this doesn't feel good. I mean, and and I actually saw Crystal do this somewhat and I actually really respected it and liked it. And it's part of why I was very much, quote unquote, on Mm -hmm. her side. But, you know, stop the conversation. You know, it's like, I, I, yep. I'm a big proponent of, hey, you know, I'm aware this feels like it's getting away from us. This doesn't feel Not good. Right. I can feel this going down a road that's actually going to like, it doesn't feel good. It's going to hurt me. Perhaps it's going to hurt you. Let's table this and let's come back to this at another time when we've given it some time and space. Exactly. Yeah. So naming the possibility that you can stop any conversation you want to stop and you can have a boundary. And then the other thing that I heard as you were speaking too, when you articulated this kind of hypothetical reality where Crystal says, or no, where the friend says, oh my God, I'm so sorry you were violated and really cares. You know, I also felt the possibility as the person who's feeling shut down, maybe just literally getting curious with the other person and saying something like, you know, something to the effect of, do you care that this has had an impact on me? You know, like 
genuine, like genuinely curious. <laughs> like, do, like I'm, I'm letting you know I'm having an experience here. And I'm just curious. Well, there's two ways I'm hearing this question. D- does that matter to you? Do you care? Do you care that as your friend, regardless of what your intention was or whether we're having a miscommunication, do you care that I'm having some sort of painful, difficult experience here? And are you willing to sort of walk me through this? And then kind of the other question I'm hearing that's on the other side of this coin is almost like, what are you hearing me say? Because it seems like you're taking this personally and I'm I'm curious for you, like what what are you hearing me say right now? Because yeah, you seem like it's triggering something in you, and I want to work this out. Yeah, and I want to say that that is a very skilled. <laughs> it's you know like it's asking a lot of a person who has just felt or open to uh, an experience of feeling violated. There's an activation already. So this is high level. And I think having the conversation, you know, like you said, getting clear first actually paves the way for the ability for you to be more curious about the other side. Because when you are in the activation or are in the trigger, it's so much harder, you know, to like actually hold ground there. You're not fucking curious. You're like, I want this to stop. Yeah. And especially to your point earlier. And again, this is what the whole previous episode was about. It felt like, you know, there was something re-traumatizing about the very situation for Crystal. I mean, this all grew out of an experience. First of all, it grew out of some experience of feeling violated, which I have to imagine is in some way connected to an early experience of not being heard in some way. Then she's trying to bring this out. She's not getting heard again. Now she's trying to bring out something about not being heard, about being violated, and she's not getting heard again. So that's why I'm so fascinated by this situation for her because the pattern is just so... It's just like holograms within holograms. It's all about like Crystal being shut down and this fight to be heard. But to your point, yeah, like the, the ask here for Crystal to be so skilled with navigating this type of thing in the midst of what's kind of like a re-traumatizing experience. It's a big ask. And I have to say, actually, for someone who, to my knowledge, you know, doesn't have any kind of like therapeutic training or isn't like working with people or anything like that, I actually think Crystal did a good job, you know, with the raw materials that she had. And that's why, you know, again, I was, I I felt, I felt for her because I just saw so much emotional intelligence in her. I saw so much willingness to be present to what was going on, even in the midst of this group coming at her in such an intense way. But yeah, I agree with you. I think this sort of circles back around to where we started, where it's like, it, and I, and I want to say, I am saying this as someone who considers myself obviously deeply sensitive. I consider myself complex. Many things come through me at once. I'm someone who can get triggered and charged very quickly. And so I just know for myself, I always at this point give myself the benefit of taking my space, taking my time. And yeah, I mean, I would really say to the particular person asking the question, and then also for anyone who's listening to this who might relate to it, do you feel, and you were speaking to this earlier, a driving impulse to be heard right away? And you got to do it now. And is that in some way, if the answer is yes, are you, is it some way hard for you to tolerate 
all the different things that want to come through. Because in the place where I think everything starts with our relationship to ourselves, meaning we're living in this big hologram. So if you, I always, you know, the way I work with clients in a lot and in large part is you want to change your relationship to others in the world around you. Let's work on your relationship to yourself. If you are in a way skipping over the complexity of what's inside of you, if you are like bypassing it, racing past it, if you won't tolerate it and you're looking for some kind of almost like quick relief of like, I got to be understood. Well, then how can you necessarily expect other people to tolerate what's coming through you? So I think, yeah, giving yourself the time and space and the slowness to not need that quick fix right away to make it more comfortable creating that space to get clear what's mine what's yours what's past what's present what's true for me here and then like we said before creating the framework hopefully of like hey let's construct a situation because even in la quinta when i think about it it's like garcelle saying i'll come on over to the house in the morning let's figure this all out you know which sounds nice but also you know let's just say as crystal, if I really drop in, maybe there's a wiser part of me that knows like maybe the group situation isn't so good as a place to start this. Maybe they're still in something with Sutton, like maybe doing a drive by on my way out of town. Isn't the right time and place for this. Let's set this up. Maybe if Garce- if Garcelle is saying to me, I want to hear you. Hey, Garcelle, I'd love to talk to you. Can we get together next week? Like one-on-one first. So I can have time to kind of sort through this. And then we can like have like dedicated time and space for this conversation. You know what I mean? And then let's sort of see how it wants to ripple out. But yeah, to our point, once you've created the time and space, once you've created the framework, once you're clear, this is an audience worth risking getting into this kind of relationship with remembering that, yeah, you can stop it. You can get curious about the other person. You can ask them whether they're curious about you. Anything to kind of slow it down and to name what's happening and to lessen the mutual charge. Yeah. Context is everything, you know, like to really also it, it, as you're maybe framing the conversations, it's like really recognizing the context that you're in, you know, who are these people to you in, in, in this situation with Crystal? I mean, I can't help but overlook the fact that this is a reality TV show. Garcelle, saying, oh, Crystal, come on by and, you know, stop by and let's clear this up. That was not, for me, that was not a clean invitation. That's a setup. It, when I feel that, the context of what they're in, that, everybody knows that's not going to go well. I mean, why did Crystal say yes to that? Like, what is her investment in that? Like, uh, what did the producer say? You have to go. I mean, I don't know what happens in in that environment, but in an environment where this is a coworker or this is a, a family member, like to your point, Jamie, it's like really setting up the conditions or the framework where that is going to actually set up a ground or a base for some curiosity, for some slowness, as opposed to, you know, some fishbowl where a bunch of people are, you know, in the middle of what's happening and interjecting and, you know, spurring things on, so to speak, both internally, but externally, this is for an audience. This makes great, you know, I can't help but always be suspicious of why 
why certain conversations happen the way they do in this in these little housewife scenarios. Well, it's interesting because as you speak, it almost feels like, yeah, Crystal is actually trying to navigate something real and human within the reality TV context. And it's almost like, and I think we touched on this before, Garcelle, I feel like may have been trying to do that more last season. And now this season, I feel like her quote unquote big girl pants are on and she's playing ball and it's business. I think she knows the game and she's playing it. She knows what she's doing. Oh, yeah. No, she totally knows what she's doing. And she's doing a good job. You know, she's... she's she does a great job. Um, she drops it. It's like, here's the ball. I mean, she's totally got uh, Lisa Rinna in a tizzy this season. <laughs> in the sense that I feel like Garcelle was the one who kicked off that whole... It's now become a conflict between Lisa Rinna and Sutton. But that grew out of a conflict with Garcelle. <laughs> so, you know, and I think, and I think, yeah, I think part of why Lisa's so triggered around this thing with Sutton is that Garcelle, she was beating her at her own game last season. Uh, but, you know, this is neither here nor there. I guess my question for you, though, is, you know, as we kind of sit with all this, is there anything else that comes to you just around this notion? I mean, even, again, specifically with Crystal, as this woman who um, is bringing something out. I mean, it's an interesting point, right? She's on this show where theoretically we're supposed to be real we're bringing our real lives we're dealing with real issues they have these kind of interesting relationships with their fellow cast members where it's like they are co-workers but they're also partners in this very unique project and there is a kind of real bond between them i think even when they don't like each other right there is a kind of danny roberts from real world new orleans calls it a trauma bond but there is a kind of like bond amongst the cast right And so, I don't know, is there anything more that wants to be said about Crystal's particular position in this situation where she's, her job in a way is to have relationships with with these women. And on some level, there is at least a pretense of friendship. And I think there is something in her that does want to be seen and heard. And yet she finds herself in these situations where whatever she's bringing doesn't want to be tolerated. Maybe we've already said everything there is to say, but I'm just curious as I just kind of paint the big picture again, is there anything that comes to you that you might want to say to Crystal about how to hold this or how to navigate these conversations or anything that might support her in this journey of how to be heard or how to get comfortable not being heard or anything? Yeah, I think it goes back to the, you know, setting setting the framework of, hey, I have some information for you. I have some information, a perspective that comes from this body this person who's had this experience in life and something's happening between us, are you interested in having a conversation? Like actually mm. asking to hear where mm. I'm coming from, what I have to say about it as not an interest to solve something, not an interest to take ownership for anything, just to let yourself hear the impact that you're having on me mm-hmm. if there's no interest you know i know what it is I'll, i can hold that's my work i'm, I'm gonna hold it i know how to do that I've, I've been doing it my whole life but if we're gonna have a deeper relationship this will then either your your answer or your response here i'm giving you access to s- denying it now and then if you say yes 
then I have some negotiation power here because if I don't feel like you're able to take me in, I can pause you and say, it's happening right now. Cause she tries to do that. It's happening right now. People like right now what's going on, but there's no sort of ground that says you, do you want to know when this is happening? Cause I've heard the women say, tell us when this is going on. You know, they, they have said that. Do you ever feel that something, you know, I've, I've, I don't know exactly if it was with this franchise or whatever, but I've heard this type of thing before, which again, it does put something on the person who is crystal, right. Who's having to hold something already very deep and, and, and heavy, but crystal stood up and said, yeah, I, I will do that. I'll bring it. And she's tried and there's no, that's not what's happening. But if you've had an agreement, if there's an agreement that, yes, I actually want to learn from you, I want to, I want to know our relationship, mm-hmm. you know, like want to know if I'm having an impact on you that is harmful or hurtful, that I can find out more about that and, and either first make repair, but also learn what would feel better, what actually would work. Yeah. And I think, again, this is where framework becomes important because yeah, to your point, and I was speaking to this earlier as well, you know, Crystal, and I'm not saying this in a blame Crystal way, but it's just the fact of what happened. She brought this into an already charged situation where people were up in arms and there was already murkiness. But if you've created the time and space and then you're inviting someone into an intentional space to discuss this, it just feels like a very organic way of also reestablishing or establishing or in this case, reestablishing. Hey, like, are you op- like, do you really want to hear you know, the impact. And then the other thing that I'm really hearing and what you say, though, from Crystal's perspective, and I, so what I love about what you're saying is one, there's kind of an implicit thing here around consent. It's like we're making an agreement about what this conversation is going to be and how we're both going to hold it. You know, whether it goes that way or not, we're still making this agreement. So I love the mutual consent because it, it eliminates the possible demand on the part of the crystal like you've got to hear me and this is what i'm saying and i'm saying it now and if you don't receive it now you know ah you're doing it to me again but it's like well wait a second that's where the urgency comes from yeah it's like that fast furious i gotta be heard and i'm racing past something but then when you race past it too i'm pissed at you but and and this is kind of my second point what i love about what you said is we're not making this agreement to even necessarily resolve this. My only intention or my hope is you're willing to hear where I'm coming from, whether you agree or disagree, that you just hear this is the impact. And what I love about this for the person who's in the crystal roles, you two are surrendering something like you're surrendering that need, hope, expectation or demand that they are going to agree with you and that they're going to respond in a certain way. And that creates space and room. All you're asking is, can you just hear me? Wherever that takes you is where it takes you. Now, hopefully in an ideal world, it will soften you and you'll understand, you know, we can get somewhere. Maybe, maybe not, you know, and I have been in situations, you know, with certain um, friendships where, you know, they, they never really, we never saw eye to eye on the thing, you know, but yet, Their willingness to simply, at least on some level, hear where I was coming from, it allowed me to let it go because that particular relationship was worth it. 
and I felt the sincerity of the intention to hear, even if, you know, to my mind, they couldn't really take it in all the way. So I just kind of like, what I love about what you're saying is that not only is Crystal taking care of herself by taking the space, creating the framework, asking for consent to the agreement, but she's also surrendering something inside of herself that does free up energetic space for the other person, which is ultimately going to be mutually beneficial because it's just creating more space in the field. Exactly. And whether or not the what lands for the other person who's hearing out what needs to be said and, and, and heard, it gives room also for that to say, I don't, you know, agree, or I don't know what to do with this information. Now I need time to actually feel into this. Cause my experience with that, I, on both sides being the person that needs to be heard, but also having to take in something that I, I was blind to, mm-hmm. you know, the initial it's a confrontation initially internally you know like i'm being confronted with something that i am blind to so of course i only know what i can see so now you've just introduced something else into the field that i i can feel the shape of it but i still don't know what it actually is i still want to make it about you so you know, I might need time to actually feel into, oh, this is something that I don't actually know. And mm-hmm. it's a it's an invitation that might take a little time. And later I might come back and go, wow, thank you so much for bringing that to my attention because I've been acting this way or I've been talking in this way or I've been behaving in this way from a socialized or a conditioned response that I wasn't even aware of. And now that you've made it, I cannot unsee it. I see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And you've helped me actually know myself a little better in, in, a, in the context of, of other people who hold your energy or who are in bodies like yours or, you know, whatever that looks like um, in terms of what's being brought. Yeah, I love this. It's like, are you also willing to give the other person time and space to take in what you're bringing? And, you know, I'm sure you've had the same experience, but I know as someone who works with people a lot, again, coming back to that notion of tolerance and what's difficult to tolerate, I I know from experience that so many people want to resolve conflict right away. They get so uncomfortable tolerating unresolved conflict and then they want to put a button on it. You know, and I think it's often coming from a fight or fight flight fear of loss of connection if we don't get this sorted out the relationship's gonna end we got to hold on to the relationship we got to sort it out and i'm always supporting people to remember you can you can stay in the unknown of conflict conflict can be unresolved for weeks i mean i've even had friendships where we're in a conflict we've agreed that it's not resolved yet and we table it and then go out and have fun and then come back to the conflict you know it doesn't have to be so dramatic in a way and i think Again, that's also coming back to like, have you separated out with the charges here? Because usually when there's that fast, furious, we got to do this, I got to be heard. That to some degree, at least is history. So I love the idea of, you know, ownership of power of what I'm bringing as Crystal. Like I'm bringing something to this person and they might need time to take it in. And I actually, I mean, I feel like I've been in this situation where if I am hitting a wall with someone where I'll say to them something like, can you just think about the possibility of X, Y, and Z? And you don't even have to say anything now. Can you like go off and just 
think about the possibility which for me yeah i mean i think even as i say that i love that there's something powerful about it it's like you don't have to give me an answer right now i'm just planting a seed can you be curious you know with me so yeah i just think you know as i'm taking in everything we've discussed so far i think yeah there are real themes here around slowness for sure slowness space the willingness to get clear inside yourself the willingness to create framework the willingness to have agreements the willingness to be curious and i think yeah if you're willing to not bulldoze ahead to be heard in a certain type of specific way that your ego thinks is going to be the answer to everything because you're acting out something from history And instead, you're willing to occupy a space, yeah, that is slower, more modulated, more curious and open-ended. Who knows where this is going to go, you know? And and, and by the way, you know, the other thing I want to say about that and wherever it goes is just more information. So if I'm Crystal and I've set it all up and still Kyle is like beating me down, beating me down, well, then I get to take that in. And, you know, to your original point, I get to think about like, okay, kind of like with Garcelle, what Garcelle did. I'm on the show. What do I have to do to stay on the show? Okay, how important is it to me to stay on this show? Am I willing to make these choices? Am I willing to make these compromises? Okay, like, yeah, I am. Or, no, I'm not. Actually, you know what? My history with not being heard is so traumatizing. This show isn't good for me anymore. And these women can't hold it. And I get to make that choice. And so I think there's also, maybe as we kind of close out this question, there's also something here around, for me, what you tell yourself like, are you getting lost in your own story? Like, if you aren't heard, what are you telling yourself about that? Are you using this as evidence to say, oh, I never get heard? Again, that sort of like, it just feels like a charge to me and it feels like a grip. It's like, ah, oh, see? You know, as opposed to, no, like, I'm creating space. This particular relationship, it doesn't work. And I get to then make choices. And it might be a choice to stay in connection, to be out of connection. It might be somewhere in the middle. But we're all just kind of human beings on our own journey. It reminds me of the the principles of what I've learned and, and been taught by Anne around the, the five principles of radical aliveness. You know, just the willingness to be changed by encounters. And I think that's essential here. There's a willingness to go into a conversation with someone willing to be changed by the encounter, saying yes to everything that is in this conversation, being willing to enter into it with a a heart that's open and non-shaming, not making someone bad or wrong, you know, for, for what they're saying, but actually being able to, you know, to take it in without wanting to do any harm, Mm -hmm. you know, to really just be available. Right. And like you're saying, to be open to what they have to say, you know, and that there are things that maybe you don't know. And also not only to not make them better wrong, but also not to make yourself better wrong. Like no one has to be bad or wrong. Again, you're just two people with two different perspectives. And the final one, the, the last one that I'll say is the one of knowing you don't know, knowing you don't know and holding what you know very lightly, holding on to it in that way that you were saying, I've worked this, I understand what I'm saying, I'm here, and I'm willing to enter the unknown, not knowing you, not knowing your your perspective. So let me just let go here and let me learn more about this encounter, mm-hmm. what this is offering us 
and also knowing what you do know in the sense of like if I if I did my inner work as Crystal and I got clear, hey, it's really important to me that people don't enter my bedroom before I knock. It's like, oh, I'm clear. This is what I'm asking for. This is what I need. And either they're going to agree or they're going to disagree. And so then if they disagree, that's when I leave. You know, and it's, it's just as simple as that. And it's not like you've got to hear me and you've got to understand. It's just, no, this is what's true for me. You're either going to hear it or you're not. And in a way, it's not personal if you don't. I just get to take that's care right. of myself. And that's my personal responsibility because then I, I have choice after that encounter to do what works for me. Yeah, and I think the last thing I'll just underline, I really am drawn to what we talked about as far as Crystal going back to the house in the morning and just being aware, again, of how things are set up. So, you know, just to give like a personal example, there was a time in my life where I took a few years off from certain family members. So I had a boundary around that. And then when it was time to get back in connection, I mean, this is actually speaks right to the question. I knew, I knew these family members would have a hard time fully hearing me because I've already had that experience. And so when I got back in connection with them, I set it up that we're going to go to a therapist together. And I actually, I actually was okay with going to their therapist. I, I, but again, because I had energetically checked it out, I had this feeling this therapist was good for them. I could tell there was a difference. And I was like, you know what? This is what this works for me. It works. I'm not doing this for them. I'm doing this because I have a sense. This is a safe space. And, you know, and I set it up that way and I was going through town. I didn't stay with those family members. I got a hotel room. I met them at the therapist's office. And I was also clear too. um, we may have had more than one session over a period of time. And by the time we were done, I also said, moving forward, anytime we need to talk about something serious, I want to do this with a therapist. So I'm just saying this is an like this is like a concrete example of how I apply these principles we're talking about of let me take care of myself. Let me create a framework. Now, I understand we're not always going to, you know, have a third party therapist, but I'm just saying this as an illustration of something, a spirit of let me not just walk into Kyle's house of horrors in La Quinta. You know, let me not just like, let me offer myself to the machinations of Lisa Rinna. Like, let me find out what do I need here to feel safe. Let me slow this down. Yeah, so uh, the last thing I'll say about this, even when I say it, it feels so good in my heart. It feels like genuine self-care. And then again, from the place of like spiritual hologram, sacred geometry, I'm listening to myself right now. I'm taking care of myself. So in the place where I create my own reality, I just feel like if I keep taking care of myself in this way, even if it doesn't, you know, even if I don't get hurt in this particular situation, this is going to energetically snowball into a reality where I am seen and heard more by the outside world. And again, I'll just speak to myself as an example, as someone who is a sensitive, complex person who a lot of people throughout my life didn't understand and would get triggered by the more that I saw myself for who I was and no longer apologize for it and to have taken care of myself, the more I have created a reality where I am surrounded by people who do get me and value me yes. for who I am and the things that make me eccentric and weird, but also, you know, have certain other talents. One more thing about that, because I think on this maybe same side of the coin, potentially, it's like you will attract people who 
Yes, you open up that doorway to be seen and heard more for who you are. And if it elicits responses that have felt similar to the the places in your history, you can see those more clearly and they are not about you. you. You've already worked it so you know that whatever you elicit in someone else, you know, whether it, it takes some sort of form, you can feel underneath what it is. Mm-hmm. There's more clarity that it's not personal to you. It's just you elicit something in someone else. Yeah, exactly. And again, just kind of using myself as an example, because I just sort of talked about the ways in which I'm eccentric and, you know, like, there. I mean, there's no such thing as normal, right? But like, I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not an extroverted person who's like, you know, running around engaging socially in the way that most people do. And I know for me, there's definitely been, for example, a pattern of a lot of times people will be really drawn to me because of, you know, how much I see and my level of intuition, right? And then some people, though, well, they'll be drawn to me, but then they only want so much and then they get scared and then they become distant. Or there are people who are like, stay away from me. And for me, as someone who, again, if we're talking about history, I come from a history. I was like, I was a weird kid. I mean, I was like, I, I mean... I don't know if I was literally called a weird kid, but like I got very clear spoken messages about basically being a weird kid. I mean, I was told, you know, I remember certain kids telling me their parents wouldn't let me play with them. Like there was there was a wounding there. Like I grew up feeling different and weird. And so for so long in my life and it still will happen. But to your point, I'm conscious of it now when I feel that retreat from me because just because of who I am. I can go to that place of feeling so rejected, like feeling that internalized message of like, oh, there's something wrong or weird about you. But the difference between now, let's say, and like years ago is to your point, I am aware of yeah, what is being brought up from history. And I guess this also speaks to just what we're talking about in terms of clarity between past and present. I now understand if someone's having a reaction to me like that, I mean, who knows? Maybe they are thinking I'm weird with contempt, but more often than not, this isn't about them judging me or rejecting me as weird. This is about, in terms of the example I just outlined, perhaps their own fear of what's inside them and what I might see, what I might make them aware of. So it's not personal at all. It's just they're they're in their own experience. And so Yeah, I guess that's just, again, I'm kind of bringing in a concrete example of what it means to, just because I see myself more clearly, it doesn't mean I'm only going to bring in people who see me and value me, but what it does mean is when I do encounter this old pattern, but again, I will say that pattern happens much less now, or at least I'm less, you know, at least I'm, I'm looking for it less, one of the two or both. You know, when it happens, my experience of it is so much more different because of my awareness between what's past, what's present, what's mine, what's theirs. Beautiful question. Yeah, yeah thank you. That's a great question. Well, you know, and I want and I let me let me do some reflection to this listener because like I said I do know her. Yes. Um I agree with you and it is very much a reflection of B. She's a very she is a very thoughtful, complex, sensitive woman who does have a lot going through her and yeah so thank you for for bringing this in i just wanted to give her a little bit of reflection because we're talking about being seen and heard all right so we go to the next question absolutely experience ant-man and the wasp quantumania in 3d scott lang 
You have a daughter. You're an Avenger. But out here, you're out of your league. On February 17th. Kang's a monster. He can shatter existence. An Avenger. I don't care what he can do. I'm getting us home. Must face a conqueror. You may not want her to watch this. <laughs> I'm sorry, Cassie. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Experience it in 3D. February 17th. Rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Hi, Jamie. I was wondering if you ever get a block when you're trying to drop into someone. If so, do you think it's because that person represents parts of yourself that you don't want to see? Or is it that the person doesn't want to be seen and they are putting up effective walls? Or is it something else altogether? Specifically, I have a hard time tapping into Erica Jane, where I can typically get a good feel on most people. So I love this question because this is something I've thought a lot about, you know, obviously doing the work I do. And I love this question because I've had literally the same experience with Erica Jane. Um, like, I, you know, I've talked about this a little before on other podcasts, but there are certain housewives where I notice I don't I don't want to go near them. I mean, Erica Jane's always been one because the second I start to go in, I just feel how much is there and how complicated it is. And I think. You know, with someone like Erica in particular, how disconnected she feels to me from the different parts of herself. And so, I mean, maybe it might be interesting for me to even slow down what happens to me as a self-proclaimed intuitive and empath. I just feel something in me that's like, I don't want to go there. It's too much work. It's It, it starts to overwhelm me. Lisa Rinna is another one where it's like, people always ask me about Lisa Rinna. I never want to go near Lisa Rinna because I'm just like, it's too much, man. Like, it's too much. It's too overwhelming. So... I love this question because, yes, yeah, specifically, there are housewives that I try to stay away from. Um, my sense is that it goes, it's it's both ways, but you're clear in this context with Lisa Renna and Erica Jane that it's in you. I don't want to touch this complexity. This is, this is my no. I don't want to go in. So I just want to say, like, as you name that, it's like, that's an answer to her question. There's a, there's a block in me. And if I want to work that, I might drop in further and then you might meet something else in them. So I just wanted to name that you kind of were answering a part of that question right there. Like sometimes it is a block in us. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I've literally wondered about this, about myself in, in relationship to the specific thing. Because, you know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, I'll do those videos where I drop into Housewives or I'll do solo episodes here. And so I'll notice I'll have this like this resistance in me to go into someone. And yeah, my first impulse is to say, well, they're so disconnected from themselves. There's so much going on. It's overwhelming. This is in part is their overwhelm. But then I stop and I think, well, what is this in me that is identifying this particular experience with this type of person as, for example, hard work or difficult or overwhelming? And is there something, yeah, like to your point, am I creating a block to this experience based on an image or an idea that I'm creating that this is hard just because I'm having a certain type of experience with this personality type. And then I do start to get curious, like if I were to reframe it for myself or approach it differently, would it bring in something different or would I have a new experience of it? And what is it in me that's kind of immediately saying, I don't want to go into that. And then it does, (laughs) it gets so complicated, right? Because the way that I hold my sessions you know, and hopefully this will be interesting for anyone who does wants to do any kind of healing work. I really 
regard everything that happens in a session as relevant information. And I do regard it as, you know, uh, information about the field, the energy field that's getting created with this client. And, you know, sometimes people ask about that. Well, like, how do you know what's yours and what's theirs? I kind of always just assume it's both, you know? So even if let's just say I'm getting frustrated by something, which very well could be Jamie getting impatient, you know, for whatever reason, but I also hold it as, but there's energy moving in me. And I trust that this means there's energy in this client and in this field that wants to move. So for me, this work as kind of, I don't know what the right word is, as sort of like a, as a mind fuck as this might feel, I always think it's both things at once. So there's part of me that wants to say like, no, I'm on to something. I think that Erica Jane and Lisa Rinna are deeply disconnected from themselves. And there's something, there's information here about this resistance. And I also stay open to the opportunity that there's information about my own resistance. And I think kind of like going back to the principles that we were talking about in the last question, as long as I'm willing to stay open to the possibility of all of it being true, it can still take me and the client somewhere. Yeah. And I, in terms of a reframing of the mind fuck, you know, it's, it's like meeting that place as an invitation to know more. Because you're clearly saying the information is heavy in here. It's like, and there's a field that we have created relationally. If we drop in, if we're actually dropping in for information for someone else. So if we allow the the initial resistance, if you want to call it that block, if you, whatever it is you want to call it, however it is, it registers for you. And then if you like, you know, kind of like, yeah, like this last question that we answered, if you hold that information lightly and ask it what else it could be, what else is here to know, it becomes an invitation to know more as opposed to this is just hard. This is just something that's in the way. This is just something I have to work through. We can find out a little bit more about both ourselves in relation to this resistance or this energy or this complication or whatever we want to call it and then kind of make space for that and then come back to feeling it like in the other and if frustration comes up for us you know oh I wonder what frustration is like for them you know what's this relationship to this frustration that I'm tapping or this confusion that I'm tapping or this no that I'm tapping into you know, what is the relationship to that for this person? So it feels like it's a real, if we're talking about reframing something, what is it inviting us into? What can we open to as opposed to stopping at that doorway and saying, you know, this is, you don't want to know, or, you know, whatever it is you might decide there quickly because it's hard to tolerate the sensation of frustration, complication. Yeah, I mean, I love what you're saying, because it's almost like, let's say I, as a facilitator who's dropping into something, right, like, let's say I notice a hesitation to go towards something or a fear to go towards something. If I make a snap judgment that sort of places it on the client, let's say, it's like, oh, they don't want to know, I might be shutting something down. But if I'm willing to name, and by the way, again, 
in my work, this is what I do all the time. The power of naming everything that's happening. For anyone who wants to work with people, I cannot stress enough, for me anyway, in my experience, the power of naming everything that's going on for me, even if it's literally nothing's going on. Like, hey, I'm aware. I have no impulses now. Let's hang out in this. The power of naming without needing to get somewhere literally to me is magical it's for me it's what opens so much up in sessions but so going back to what i was saying though yeah if i don't immediately make a snap judgment oh the client isn't ready to hear but instead i'm willing to name oh i notice there's something in me that's like nervous or hesitating about sort of going in deeper into this you know, into this door. And yet I also feel an impulse to go into this door. And so I notice there's a push pull. And so, yeah, as I say that, like part of that might be from Jamie who's scared, you know, whatever, for example, like, I don't know, this is going into somewhere politically incorrect, or I'm going to open something that's too much for the, I don't know. But also at the same time, I also might be getting information about, yeah, the slowness that's needed here. You know, the care that's needed here to check something out, like maybe me naming this is creating the space and safety that the client needs to give themselves permission, you know, to go behind a certain door. So, yeah, to me, it's just kind of an illustrative example of like both things can be true at once. And if I'm willing just to trust the energy as meaningful for both of us and, you know, in this case, to name it without needing to resolve it or go anywhere but just for the it's kind of it kind of is connected to the first question it's like it's that spirit of like can we name some something not as a means to an end but simply to name it and to speak it and for it to be heard like i said that's where i always find the magic happens and i mean to be honest this is why i love this work it's what keeps it fresh and exciting for me is that there's always a form of improvisation and spontaneity when you're willing to stay open to the unknown and again going back to the last question have a non-shaming heart where it's like i'm not judging you for whatever happens i'm not judging myself for whatever's going on in in me it's just energy and it's possible information and it leads to also a thread to the last conversation around consent you know like for me energetically if i'm potentially reaching a resistance or or a block and i hang out there a little bit rather than just push right through it it's really possible that what's needed is some sort of recognition that hey we're going somewhere. This is a doorway that doesn't feel completely open. Is this okay for you? Mm-hmm. You know, are you ready to go into something potentially deeper, unknown territory? Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I can feel a, a closed door here that's been closed maybe for a while. And maybe you didn't know I was going to hit it. Maybe we didn't know, you know, that this was the door that was going to show itself. So, you know, is it okay here? Do you want to know some? So let me ask you just in some ways to put myself on a spot a little bit on the spot a little bit. And you may not have an answer to this, but I'm curious as someone who knows me well and, you know, someone who's deeply intuitive in her own right. When I say that I have this experience of, you know, for example, if I drop into Erica Jane, I start to get overwhelmed and there's a certain way that I frame it for myself. Do you have any hits for me about what that might be about in me? what I'm blocking myself from, why I might be framing it in that way, if I were to take responsibility for my part in this? Hmm. It's interesting. Like the first thing that comes to me is that it's going to have an edge to it. Like it's something 
not dark per se, but like deeply unknown. And maybe there's a, a fear of holding it with someone or like what starts to happen for me. Like if when I dropped in immediately, what happened was my hand started tingling. I got the feeling of what happens when I, you know, like I get scared mm. and it's, and it's afraid of something like pretty deep and significant, like, like it holds a significant amount of power. Like this is a, like a core piece it feels like to me. So it's almost like you're going to reveal something that has been deeply, deeply committed to being hidden and you're exposing something and there's going to be a, a, something's going to happen around that exposure that, yeah, it feels like care needs to be involved. And maybe it's kind of like a, what I almost feel is like, oh, this is more than, I want to hold or I, I don't know what it is exactly, but it feels like kind of like, yeah, this is going to take more than just this reading or just this. I'm going to open this up and this is this is going to need something. This isn't just a donation, you know? Oh, OK. Well, so I hear this two ways because that last part you said, I'm like, oh, well, that's wisdom. <laughs> that's me in some ways taking care of myself. It's me saying, yeah, it's almost like, oh, I love this. Yeah, it's almost like. You know, because I've created something here where I'm creating this content. And again, I, you know, I have so much fun with it and I love the engagement and people get excited about it. And so then, yeah, they're like, oh, I want, you know, drop into this, drop into that. And I think sometimes, yeah, maybe people think that it is. I mean, there is a way in which it's easy for me, but maybe they think it's like easy for me. And yeah, I think what's happening, it's it almost comes to me even from myself of like, oh, I'll make this quick video you know, of like, oh, I'm, it's going to be fun. I'll make this quick video where I'm drop. Oh, Erica. Because I remember when I first ever tried to drop into Erica. It was when news was breaking about the divorce and all the stuff going around with Tom. And I was like, oh, let me just kind of start to drop in. And then I was like, oh, boy. Like, I don't want, you know, I mean, I still remember what I saw. It was so interesting what I saw based on what's now unfolded. This was when the divorce, it was when she first started getting divorced. And I was going to go on a podcast. And I knew they were going to want to ask me about it. So none of the Tom stuff had happened yet you know what I mean because first it was the divorce and then it was Mm -hmm. the the lawsuits and I remember I closed my eyes to drop in and I just started seeing her as like this femme fatale and like this old school neo-noir in a courtroom drama like literally saw her in a courtroom and it was an old school noir with the expressionistic shadows and she was in a costume I didn't know how to make sense of it and I remember just I kept hearing the word like drama like drama 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 like and it felt like this old school dramatic movie in a courtroom. And so I was just getting the flavor of, yeah, something to do with <laughs> Erica being in a performance of her own life and being in a performance of her own drama and it being sort of larger than life. And again, being in this courtroom setting. But the point being, it just felt like so much and I didn't even know how to start parsing it out. And I guess what I'm hearing you say is like, and I, I guess I'm speaking to it. There was truth in what was coming through. And I think so part of this is wisdom of like, wait a second. I'm asking myself to do this quick drop in to these women in this case who are these are not quick drop ins. And there's a lot to hold here. So it feels like on one hand, there's wisdom here. So maybe that's something I need to really be taking into account more for myself moving forward. And what I also heard before that for me 
Yeah, it was like my historical relationship to feeling overwhelmed by other people's big energy. And, you know, because I had mm-hmm. early experiences of not feeling like I had permission or space to have boundaries against big energy that felt, yeah, overwhelming and invasive and like it pulled me down into something. And so when I heard you talking, it's like, oh, right, I'm sensing big energy. And, you know, in the case of Erica Jane and Lisa Rinna, energy connected to what I would call maybe the archetype of the dark feminine, you know, which has meaning for me. And so, yeah, maybe there's kind of like some young part of me that kind of has this old patterned fear around if I start to go towards this big energy of the dark feminine, I'm going to get overwhelmed. I'm not going to have agency to say no. It's going to be too much. I'm going to be pulled into something. It's going to be endless. And so then my system just throws up a block to going there. Yeah. And maybe that's an invitation for a boundary. Maybe that is an invitation for a knowing in yourself what picking up on something, letting it actually, you know, channel and move through you, but it's literally letting it flow through you and closing it and doing your own work about the way that it impacted you, you know, being committed to that process for yourself, but also a boundary with those you read to say, and you may need to take this information and work this further. Like you're taking this information and now you can go and get the support you need around it or, you know, work it outside of what just happened here. I'm just, I'm just giving you the information. It's a very clear boundary. And just to be clear here, I do want to clarify that I am talking specifically about, in this case, doing these quick hits on the housewives, the videos that I create, the content that I create around pop culture. I'm not speaking so much right now about actual sessions with clients, uh, which again, going back to the the last question, when I'm doing work with clients, there is a framework, there is a structure to support it, there is consent from the client, there is an agreement we're entering into that creates the deeper space. And so in that space, you know, it creates room for me to go wherever it needs and wants to go. So that's not really a situation where I'm going to feel overwhelmed. But I feel like what we're speaking to here and what we're naming, which is actually really powerful for me, is that when I'm doing, again, these quote unquote quick hits that in my mind I'm just thinking of as fun and light, there's actually a deeper opening that's happening. And because there's not that same framework or that same structure to support it. On some unconscious or semi-conscious level, my system is experiencing it as, holy shit, I'm going into something really deep now that my young inner child is equating with the possibility of being overwhelmed. And I think part of what I hear in all this for myself, as I've kind of offered myself up as a guinea pig in this, is, I don't know, I, I do, I feel even kind of a deeper invitation right now around how seriously am I taking this work that I do in terms of, you know, self-care. And Because again, I mean, what I love about this, I love that we're talking about the housewives and I love that we can talk about the housewives and it takes people to deep places. Like, I, that's what I've always loved about this. I love that it's, to me, it's fun, it's unpretentious, but, you know, the voice I'm hearing is like, let's not be fooled or let's not make a mistake. We are navigating deep waters. And in fact, I think the fact that it's the housewives allows us 
in a way to go energetically deeper than perhaps if this were just a straight up podcast about, you know, whatever you psycho spirituality with Jamie Stein, you know, so I'm just hearing something now for me around. Yeah. Like, what does it mean for me to perhaps honor even more that something is happening here and there is kind of a spiritual energetic self-care that I probably need to (laughs) practice and tend to even when I'm talking about these these housewives of ours just clearing your cords after you know really taking the time to clear yourself of what moved through you so i mean maybe we've talked about this but i i did just want to come back to the first part of it about do you ever get a block when you're trying to drop into someone well first of all let me i mean no in the sense that i'm never like fully fully blocked like like there's nothing there but yes what i've come to experience is that there are people who are harder to read than others, or that's my experience. You know, there are people where the information and the energy feels very forthcoming. And then there are people where it does not feel as forthcoming. And for me, the way that I experience that, I mean, that can be experienced in a number of ways. I mean, it can be from the client themselves where they for example, want to keep talking a lot and talking and talking and talking. And then I kind of notice in the talking, we're getting kind of roped into an energy that's keeping us from sort of really moving us somewhere directly. And or it can also come from the way like in me, I notice kind of like what I was saying before, there might be something in me that doesn't want to go directly into the information. Like I can feel myself wanting to circle around it. Or if I'm not really careful, if there is a client who maybe just wants to talk and talk, I can almost feel a part of me that wants to like collude with them. You know what I mean? And just keep the conversation going rather than go. And again, for anyone listening to this who might hear this and sort of wonder like, what do you do about that? Again, that's something that I'll name. You know, like, oh, I'm really aware of what's happening right now. And I'm aware of a part of me that could sort of stay on this merry-go-round with you forever. And then as I say that in this hypothetical example, you know, what comes to me is like, and so I'm aware there's a no here. There's a no to going all the way into this. And so then, you know, hypothetically, I might embody that no. You know, usually in sessions, I have a pillow that I can hit. So I might just own the voice that says, I won't go directly in. I won't feel this. I won't know this. And you know, that'll open something up. But regardless, coming back to the question. So I guess I just wanted to touch on this because this is something that initially I really grappled with because there, when I started doing this work, first of all, again, just sort of being transparent, I am a perfectionist and I care. Like it really, as someone who does this work, it really matters to me when someone books a session or works with me like I genuinely want people to get a lot out of it like I really really do like that matters to me and so I think there was a part of me early on that on some level felt like well if I'm really good at my job wouldn't I be able to just like pierce anyone (laughs) and it took me a minute to come around to this notion that I think my work is really meeting people where they're at And people are at different levels of readiness, including all of us. I mean, we're at different levels of readiness at different points in our lives. Like, you know, I mean, you know, I've talked about this with you, but, you know, for me personally, I feel like on the one hand, I'm one of the most willing people when it comes to like working on myself. And yet I can also be the most resistant person who kicks and screams, you know, I'm both all at once. So I feel like my work in this role is meeting people where they're at. And in fact, going too fast, like that there is wisdom 
sometimes in the place that wants to collude or not go directly into the information because that might be too much for the person and that we're creating space and safety by planting seeds, opening the door a crack. I mean, I'll say it. I'll say it. I've had sessions with people where for me, the intuitive knowing is that there is some sort of like specific trauma that happened that it feels to me like they're not remembering, but I won't. I mean, again, it depends who it is. I either won't say it because there's something in me that's just like, I feel the weight of, I mean, if I'm right, you know, and I, I guess, I mean, I'm sort of letting myself go on different digressions. Hopefully this is all informative and interesting. I want to say to anyone listening to this who does healing work with people, I'm always open to the idea that I'm not right. I don't need to be right. This isn't about being right in a certain type of way. I think usually there's a reason why something's coming through, but maybe it's not always what I think it is. So I just want to say that I never assume I'm 100% right about everything. But if I'm right about this, the block feels so heavy. And there's something in me that just feels like I need to respect this versus maybe there'll be some other people where I feel like, look, I'm going to, again, bring in the possibility. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I don't want you to freak out. And again, this is I'm someone who's been told by multiple people that they've picked up on like things that have happened to me that I have no conscious memories of. So I know what it's like to receive that information. And I also know what it's like to receive it from someone who's kind of saying it from a point of view of, I know this happened and you've just blocked it out. And it doesn't feel good. So I feel like I've gone all over the place right now. I guess to come back to my original thread and I'll let you respond however you want to respond. I do feel like there are people who are harder to read than others that has been difficult for me to fully embrace. And even as I'm talking about this, there's still part of me that's like, but is that, is that passing the buck? Is that making an excuse? Is that blaming the client somehow? I don't think that's totally true, but I also think those are interesting questions to hold, you know, as again, someone who does this work, but that's where I'll stop right there. So my short answer way too late is yes, I think there are people who are harder to read And that's been something I've really been in process with. Yeah. And I would just say to maybe trust the information. I don't hear blame in there from you. I don't don't hear that comes. If that is the information that is available and you allow it as information and you trust it, if you take off the expectation that it needs to go anywhere Mm -hmm. and allow it to be exactly what it is, that alone opens up the door for some organic movement to come from that place, either a solid, no, I'm staying in this position or, oh, here's some consent. I actually am curious. I'm interested or I'm fucking scared. I'm terrified. I need something before I, you know, hear this or whatever it is. It's an invitation. Again, if you trust it and believe in it and allow it, Without pushing something, you know, like an agenda, having an agenda to have this have some sort of resolution or, you know, demand on it, it it really gives it its own energetic unwinding. It, it, It just organically allows a space for it to move on its own in some way. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And that's kind of what I was thinking after I stopped talking. And and again, this totally relates to the first question. It's, It's the expectation of getting somewhere that I think can make any of this insidious. So like I said, I care about people getting a lot out of the work, right? But let's say I'm overly invested in that. Like, let's say I want them to validate my talents as an intuitive. And for me, that means 
they have to have some big breakthrough. And so then, yeah, it's like that's the place where if I'm having trouble reading them, you know, in whatever form that takes, and I'm agitated about that because I'm so in my head about the session going well in a particular type of way, that's the place where I might start to blame, oh, you're hard to read, you know, because I'm triggered, you know, because of my own shit, the own weight of my expectation. And I think that's what's beautiful about doing this work. And it's also the challenging invitation. It is that willingness to trust a higher process that we as people in this role are in a, I mean, we're co-creating it with the client, but we are facilitating it and we are humans and, you know, we are imperfect as humans. So it's trusting the process. It's trusting the intention. It's trusting the highest good while also creating space for our mutual, meaning mine and the client's imperfect humanity. And yeah, the willingness to hang out in that unknown place where you don't know how a session's going to go and you don't even know how it's going to impact someone or when it's going to impact someone. You know, they might kind of be like, ah, the whole time, you know, and then as the weeks go by, things settle and land and then they come back and say, oh my God, like, I totally get what you were saying. Like, I didn't get it. I mean, there's one client I'm thinking about who ended up becoming an ongoing client and she, by her own admission, she had a block to what was coming through for almost the entire session. And then at the very end, and I forget how it happened, but I think it, it happened somehow, you know, naming what was going on and something just finally clicked and she got it. And, she, and it was literally about her own resistance. And then like in the days that followed, I just got an email being like, oh my God, this sort of blew everything. Like I didn't get my own unconscious investment and in not hearing. And so just to really piggyback on what you're saying, it's like, if we can let go of what this is supposed to look like, what this needs to look like, and truly surrender to the unknown in that place, it kind of doesn't matter in a way if someone's hard to read. Again, yeah. it's just information. And yes, I do think some people are quote unquote harder to read. I mean, maybe we could relinquish it. They're just different to read. <laughs> the, inform the flow of information is different and what they need mm -hmm. in order to be met is different and yeah there's different levels of readiness and there's different levels of willingness and i think what i want to add on to that what's coming through the message and all of this is and that it's okay and so if we go back to the erica jane thing that the listener brought in you know if i were to distill what i've gathered from what we just explored it's like yeah probably it is information about Erica and probably it is information about you. And what if you just slow that down and let yourself be with it as a process, both for what does it say about Erica and also what does it say about me without needing to like arrive anywhere like right away? Exactly. What is my relationship to this block? Yeah. And how might this connect to Erica? So I know you got to go soon. Should we just bring in the last question for a one or two minute thing? Or? Yeah, bring in the last question. Hi, Jamie. I'm deeply moved and compelled by your work and what you do. I'm curious and interested in how you began your journey in the field of healing as I'm beginning to see myself pursuing a similar path. If there's any way you could give me some info on how you got started or what programs you attended, that would be amazing. They live in LA. Thank you for all that you do. Your podcast has been... Oh, that's nice. Okay. People always ask me about this. I get so self-conscious because I don't... I always wish that I had some sort of 
what I would call a sexy answer, like, oh, I studied with this tribe of, you know, Native Americans in South Dakota. But, you know, I mean, I think as a lot of people know who listen to this podcast, I actually have a therapeutic training. It's training in a modality started by Ann Bradney, who's been on this podcast a number of times, which is called Radical Aliveness. Radical Aliveness grew out of a bioenergetic therapy called Core Energetics. It's a somatic body-based therapy that supports people to really be in touch with their feelings, their currents of energy. So rather than talk therapy, it really supports people to get into their gross physical body, to open up to the energy that's there, to open up to the feelings that are there, and the willingness not just to tolerate them, but to hold space for them and to find out sort of what information is there when you let those blocked feelings flow. So for me, you know, that wasn't a school that was specifically about intuition necessarily, or, you know, I mean, it is spiritual work, but I don't know that it positions itself necessarily as spiritual work in the way that we think of as spiritual work. But what I will say is what it did for me, you know, I think in any sort of training like that, you do your own personal work as you're doing the training, right? So I was in a group I was in a class for four years and for four years five times a year I went to these four-day modules where we were doing our deep inner work in addition just to everything else that I'm always I've been working on myself for decades and so that just opened me up to more of who I am and as I opened up to more of who I am it just opened me up to more of my intuition and it helped me to see that there was intuitive information coming through me because I was getting intuitive information about my classmates and I was willing to start offering it and people were reflecting to me that it was helpful to them so all of this just evolved for me over time. (laughs) The reason why I'm saying all this, whenever people ask me about how you get into this type of work or how you develop this, I personally feel the number one thing you can do is your own inner work. That's just how I feel. And I almost feel like, yeah, I mean, if you want to go to like Barbara Brennan's school for energy healing to learn about energy healing, great. If you want to like get your Reiki certification, go get your Reiki certification. If you want to study with an empath who teaches you how to be an empath, great. But I still feel like just what I said, your your capacity to know yourself fully and to hold space for what's going on inside you and your, you know, like what I do in my work and what I love about it is I'm very comfortable and willing to hold space for all these deeper currents of energy like rage, like hatred, like love, like sexuality. Like I'm just not scared of that stuff, but in large part because I've held that space for myself in me. So I'm comfortable with it in myself and therefore I'm comfortable holding that space for clients. Again, it opens me up to my own energy because the less resistance I'm into myself and my flow, the more access I'm going to have to my flow and to my magic and what wants to come through me. So for me, the intuition is just part and parcel of who I am, but it's the inner work that's taught me about myself and humanity. And I just, you know, I say this because and I'm sure you've had a similar experience. I just know there's so many people out there, whether they're therapists or healers, uh, who I either experience on my own or I hear stories about where it's just so clear there's just such deep limitations and blind spots, you know? And it's like, oh my God, like you're out there like working with people and it's so 
clear that there are deep limitations in your own relationship to yourself. And as someone who does go to different people, I can feel it. It's like there might be people who have access to divine source information and I can feel their power. But there's something that's inhibited. They still have to translate the information. And they are the translator. And I think the the power of the translator is directly correlated to how well you know yourself and your concept of humanity. And that comes from the inner work. So for me, I would just say, if anyone were to learn anything from my particular journey, it's just like, just do your own, <laughs> do your own work, get your own healing, go to the places inside you that you don't want to go, go towards what scares you, go towards your shame, go towards the darkness all of it. And the more you get comfortable with that and integrate that, the deeper the space you're going to be able to hold for other people and the more congruent you're going to be with your natural gifts, talents, and abilities. Bam. <laughs> Drop mic. <laughs> is there, but is there anything else that comes through you that you want to say? I mean, I feel like the question was for you. I think you answered it really well. And I agree with everything that you said. I think what I would add is developing really a deep practice of connecting with the divine as well, like to actually have a relationship with non-ordinary states, you know, that allow information portals to open, you know, like information to come that is not in kind of the ordinary states or the, you know, the states of being that maybe help me read energetically, you know, like on a physical level or on an intellectual level or, you know, that, that you're actually open. You open yourself to the wisdom of the person who is in front of you and, and everything that they come to you with, because it's like, we do our own work absolutely to clear that, to be able to like meet that and, and let that all the way in. But it's also for me, it's been about, you know, and I don't do the same kind of work you do. I don't, I don't think I have that type of confidence in what I hear or feel because of my relationship that I'm still developing, I think, with trusting spirit, trusting guidance, trusting this like non-ordinary state and the information that rides in on that. I'm still developing a, a personal relationship with that so that I understand what certain things, I, my experience has been that spirit talks to us in ways that we can hear, you know, so what you might get as information sounds and feels and, you know, is understood in your sort of unique and individual way. It's like your brand of it. And the way spirit moves or speaks through me might have a different language that I understand that may be more body oriented or something. So knowing your relationship to both yourself and to what it feels like to have spirit moving through you. And that can come through in so many ways. You know, it can be through breath work. It can exactly. be through yeah, music. I mean, even just listening to music. The last thing I'll say, it's I think because I started my journey and it's in process, you know, always, but it's been a journey from the head to the heart, you know, and I'm someone who definitely retreated into my head as a defense. And so, like I said, I'm not one of those people who just was like, yeah, I was, you know, I, you know, from a young age, I was like, spirits were talking to me and I was seeing ghosts. And then, you know, this tribe took me in. Like for me, it was like, no, I went to prep school. I, you know, I've been an entrepreneur. I taught at colleges and, you know, and then slowly over the years, I was like, okay, let me come out of the closet that like, no, I'm, I'm, 
I'm an intuitive, like I'm getting information that I consider psychic in a way. So there's just so much that I could actually say about that process for me, about everything you're talking about, like the willingness to trust what's coming through, the willingness to speak it, the willingness to honor. I mean, that was a huge process for me. So there's so much we could talk about. And maybe, who knows, maybe if we get a good response to this, it'll be another episode that's about uh, more specifically delving into all that stuff. But I know you got to go. So thank you. This was actually, I, I had a lot of fun doing this. I had so much fun doing this. It was so nice to, yeah, to hear from you, Jamie. I love that your listeners are asking you these deep questions because I, I can feel where they come from for them. But what was fun for me was to actually get to hear your response and to feel what this has been for you. And I would imagine your listeners will also feel feel touched in the same way I am. It's it's nice to know you this way. Oh, well, thank you. I actually, as you were talking, I was having my own moment of appreciation just for my listeners. <laughs> so yeah, thank you, everyone. I mean, truly, thank you for listening. And I really meant it when I said I'm always just so struck by how deep and smart and spiritual everyone is. I mean, I felt like from the very beginning when I first appeared on Bitch Sesh and I started getting requests for readings. I remember thinking like, you know, who's coming? Who's going to be on the other side of this call? Because, you know, I was on a podcast about the Real Housewives and just from the beginning, it's just been such a smart group of sophisticated thinkers and I I really mean it when I say I love the engagement. I love hearing from you guys and uh, yeah, I'll just take this final moment to say I kind of just started this podcast on a lark because people had said I'd listen to it and it, it has been really touching that there's been an audience and again it's an enthusiastic audience and i i do really appreciate it and i don't take it for granted and even just you know people taking the time to write reviews and you know leave me ratings it's uh i just want you to know i see it i hear it i feel it and i'm deeply grateful and also i am deeply grateful to you as well piper because regardless of whether you have trouble or resistance to owning your own wisdom. I don't. And I mean, you've just been such an integral part of this podcast from the beginning. I don't know, you know, how I I can't even imagine it without you. And also as a friend and as a colleague and as someone who has witnessed me on this journey from the beginning, I just I really value everything you bring. So thank you. Thanks, Jamie. And thanks the shout out to all the housewives too for catalyzing, you know, all these um, meaningful conversations and topics. And, you know, I think it, whatever motivation they have, you know, personal motivation they have, they are definitely sort of woven into the fabric of this culture right mm-hmm. now. They, they represent something for sure, whether they, you know, really know that or not. I feel their generosity. In, mm-hmm. in some way to put themselves out there in that way. I think it's very exposing. I would never in a thousand years want to do something like that. So I, th- I think I, I feel some gratitude that I don't typically feel <laughs> for them because I, I have my own private shame around, you know, <laughs> participating in this ex- exhibitionist, like the whole production of it, I guess. But yeah, I think I feel some gratitude for them too. So yeah, no, they put themselves out there. And it, like, to your point, it's so vulnerable, regardless of whatever their intention is, they are putting themselves out there and it's vulnerable. And, you know, I also have such an appreciation of just the fact that they are strong women, you know, it's strong, mostly middle aged 
in the spotlight and I love how flawed they are. I love their humanity. They're living out loud. I mean, it's, it is such a weird double-edged sword where there are times where I look at this and I'm like, yeah, what am I participating in and what am I contributing to? But other times I'm looking at it and I'm like, this is revolutionary. Like this is cutting edge, you know, like Ramona's over 60 years old. I mean, these are leading ladies and I love that. So What a note to end on. A note of gratitude and mutual appreciation. If you're listening to this, I hope you have your own gratitude (laughs) for whatever. (laughs) And as always, you can follow me at uh, Jamie Stein on Instagram, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N. If you're interested about my work, head over to my website, hollywoodreadings.com, and you can send me an email. And I very much look forward to seeing you guys next time. Bye. (laughs) Bye.